Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 40. 40. Wow, thank you so much for sticking with us for 40 episodes, guys. Yeah, if you have stuck with us through the whole journey, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And we are on chapter six, text number 16. <laughs> Can I just say something real yeah, quick? Absolutely. Really silly. My headphones sounded really funny and I couldn't figure out why. It turns out I had them on backwards. Um, that was all. <laughs> that was one of those days. One of those days. One of those days. days. Okay, sorry. It's, okay, so thank Thank you for so thank you so much for sticking with us. We hope you stick with us through all of the entire book and Forever. make it to chapter 18. <laughs> chapter 18. Yeah. And so we are on again chapter six, text number 16. But so uh, where did we recap. leave off? So we talked about Dhyana Yoga, which is meditation, right? It's part of Patanjali's eight system. It's kind of like compared to a ladder, right? Where one is building off of the other, they're going up. And mm -hmm. Dhyana mm -hmm. Yoga or meditation comes right before the topmost stage, which is Bhakti Yoga. And we've said many times, if we do Bhakti Yoga, you already, it encompasses everything else because we already have Dhyana or meditation within Bhakti Yoga. So yeah. we don't need to do it separately. And this type of meditation, we're talking about the kind of meditation where you sit still, you breathe, you like cross eye your eyes and look at your nose. It's, it's a <laughs> Very physical kind of, I know, so sort of silly. Sorry. Um, but it's kind of this um, process that it's very, uh, it's the body and the mind combined, but it's very much so like sitting on, what is it? Like kusha grass. Kusha grass. And like, well, I've heard that term so many times, but I still don't even know what it is. Kusha grass. <laughs> Some, a type of grass. Type of grass. Yeah. Okay. It's kusha grass. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like it's wrong, but I'm yeah. not going to go there. Okay, anyways. Um, so yeah, so this is the, that's dhyana yoga with a D because we have right. dhyana yoga. With right. G? J? J? <laughs> yeah, it's a yes, J. But Diana is with the D. Yes. Okay. And so anyways, that's this type of meditation. So in the last episode, we talked about all the distractions, but then Krishna lays out the foundation to breathe and meditate and really focus on Diana yoga. Right, mm -hmm. right. All right. Anything else? Well, I think we can just dive right into it. The Let's invocation letters. <clears throat> Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Mm. All right, chapter six, text number 16, Priyadarshini. There is no possibility of one's becoming a yogi. Is that a typo? No, it says one's on mind also. Or yep, I don't one's know. One's on mind. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> one or one's Shama Sangeeta? One's apostrophe. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, okay. There is no possibility of one's becoming a yogi. Oh, Arjuna, if one eats too much or eats too little, sleeps too much or does not sleep enough. Mm. Oh my God. This, this, I love this verse so much. And I think about it a lot every time I sleep in. Or every time I <laughs> go to Olive Garden and I eat too much. Like I, there's, there's so much in this verse that can help us in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Right. It's basically all Very encompassing practical. finding mm -hmm. the equilibrium in life. Yeah. Because if you don't go to bed early, you're not going to be able to wake up early. If you don't wake up early, you're not going to have time for your sadhana or your daily spiritual practice. And kind of the point is we want to be able to utilize the early morning hours where everything's peaceful. Every, the world is asleep and you wake up early and you chant your rounds, you do your meditation, you get to 
read a little bit and then you set yourself up to start the day right. Yeah. I think the key here is, is regulation. If you want right. to be a true modern yogi in that sense, um, regulation and keeping things balanced in your life is very, yeah. very important. Yeah. And so it goes on to the portport and Prabhupada starts talking about, you know, eating and eating too much and also eating what kinds of things. And that's an interesting right. conversation that right. we haven't really had until this point. We might have touched upon it, but yeah, I don't think we kind of dove into depth in right what type of foods, because you know how we've talked about the modes, how we have the mode of goodness, passion, ignorance yes. in life, but that also exists within the foods that we eat. It exists within pretty much, I Everything. think we've mentioned this before, but within every aspect of your life. So there's right. like mode of goodness, music, uh, mode of goodness, friends, mode of goodness, food, mode of goodness, drinks, right. like there's, uh, or mode of passion. Like there's, for all of these modes, there's different uh, types of things in the world that mm -hmm. kind of belong to it, right? Right. And if you don't think that these things are real, I mean, there's so many studies that like, you know, you have three different sets of plants. You play one of them like beautiful classical music and you say affirming words and they grow yes. differently than ones that you're just constantly yelling at and throwing mm -hmm. bad vibes. Right. So someone might think, yeah, yeah, vibes are all just hocus pocus hippie nonsense, yeah. but it's real. There's yeah. studies that prove that. You can feel the vibes when you walk into places too, right? So like yeah. this morning I went like nine o'clock in the morning, bright, sunny Southern California, went to a farmer's market where there's like fresh fruits and veggies and like you feel a vibe there, mm -hmm. right? Then you go into the floor of a stock exchange or something and it's like everyone's running around with crazy. Like it's a vibe there. Right. You, you walk into a bar, let's say at one o'clock in the morning, there's a different type of vibe there. Yeah, so different those type the, of energy. Yeah, different type of energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so those are right. the three modes that everything can be characterized in. Yeah, right. and actually another fun fact, which is uh, the modes of uh, passion, ignorance, and goodness also are parts of the day, which is why we kind of say to get things done in the morning exactly. because the mornings are mode of goodness, uh, afternoons are mode of passion, and then evening is mode of ignorance. And it kind of belongs to kind of the energetic cycle of human beings, right? In the morning, you get things done. Mode of passion kind of helps you go, 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 get things done too, but in a different energy. Mm -hmm. So usually in the morning, people meditate, they take their... You know, they take care of their bodies, whatever way they they eat, all these things that are like kind of taking care of themselves. And then right. you get to work and you're in that go, go, go phase. And then mode of ignorance doesn't always have to be a bad thing. It also correlates to like sleeping and like, right, these yeah, kinds and, of things, right? And you can feel it, right? Like at night, whenever you stay up way, way late, that's the time where most of the time people go dancing, they'll go clubbing, they do things that are in the mode of passion and ignorance because that, that mode takes over when most people don't feel like going clubbing, drinking and all that in the early early hours of the morning, unless <laughs> yeah. they stay up all night awake, but That's like true. they don't wake up and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go, go, go. It's like, you're more serene and tranquil. And it's the time where you can really silence everything and hear the super soul within and connect to the essential. Right. Yeah. And you can feel it in your body. Like when you, we've woken up at 6am or earlier before, and there's, you feel different in your body. Right. And, and it's so different. Even 12 hours later at 6pm, you feel more lethargic. You're like yeah. ready to like right, get right. ready to for mm -hmm. better, you know? So it's just a, you can, it's a very palpable feeling, these modes. Right. When, when I was working as a teacher, I would wake up pretty early and I just always remember feeling like, oh, it's hard to wake up at first. But then when you're up at like five, six, sometimes four in the morning, depending on the circumstances, right. you're just like, wow, what a wonderful, beautiful world. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. It's like happy. It's like this thing. And maybe not everyone experiences that, you know, it, it might be also that I'm a morning person. 
<laughs> but, but it's just like it was it was really cool to be awake at that hour also mm. when no one's awake it's right. peaceful there's yeah. like this uh, it's I, like an internal joy actually yeah, it's a, right. as excruciating as it, excruciating as it is to wake up that early sometimes once you're up it, there's like this like it's kind of this like I don't even know how to describe it, but there's like bliss that you feel yeah, too. I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, basically within Bhakti, the goal is to kind of manage our life so that more and more we can do things and be present in the mode of goodness yeah. as much as we can, because we're trying to here elevate our consciousness. And that's already very hard to do as is, but we don't, it's even harder when we're doing things, eating things, putting ourselves in situations that cater to the mode of passion and ignorance. Right. Which is like, yeah, try meditating in a club. Yeah. Right. I mean, with the <laughs> blaring. So it's very difficult. So we want to do things like Priya said, waking up early, doing things that make it a little easier to just silence everything and go within. Yeah. Love it. So there's this notion in the purport that one who sleeps more than six hours out of 24 oh. hours is certainly influenced by the uh. mode of ignorance. I cannot sleep six hours. Yeah. I need at least a solid seven. So I think, I hope there's it's like a okay. little bit I mean, for interpretation <laughs> in that purport. But I, I think we both know, we all know how it feels when we do not sleep enough and that I get angry and like really agitated and and oh, yeah. I usually take it out on my partner and <laughs> so like that's when I don't sleep enough it's not a good time and then you also feel that sense of lethargy right yes right is it lethargy lethargy but lethargy that's it nice when you do sleep too much right yeah. right and though I think one thing is that because you know about what you what you said sleeping six hours what popped into my head was Huh, maybe, maybe if you're super regulated and you go to bed super early, because you know, they do say the hours before oh, midnight yeah. count for more. So if I'm going to be like mm. staying up, working all in the mode of passion, I go to bed at 1 a.m., I'm not going to be fine with six hours. I'm probably going to need 10 and I'll wake up still feeling tired and lethargic. <laughs> yeah. But if you go to bed at the same time, regulated every day, and it takes a lot of effort to get regulated, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet, then maybe... I don't know if six, but like not as much, seven, eight, like whatever amount of time you need, then that does become enough because you're operating in a very regulated state. You I do think that's a really good point, what you're saying. I think because you're a, we're creatures of habits and cycles, right? right? So like right. if we kind of train our bodies that like, okay, we go to bed, but I do also agree with the time thing. I've heard this from right. a bunch of different places that if you go to bed before nine, it's like the most, you get the most out of your sleep. Yeah, they say like each hour. Before nine? Yeah. They say oh, each man. hour before midnight. Midnight counts for double. So if you're going to calculate how much you're sleeping, all any hour you're asleep before midnight, count it for two. Um, you know, and that's why it could oh, make is it before midnight. Before midnight, oh, I've heard, I always thought okay. probably before nine is even better. You know? Yeah, I don't know, I mean, my dad he wakes up naturally his body at like four thirty five a.m., but he's in bed consistently super early every day, and then he doesn't need more than six. So in a way, mm. I see him as someone who like, yeah, you're embodying that. I mean, like. I, if I went to bed at 9 p.m. or earlier yeah. every night, I probably wouldn't need more than six, That's seven That's really inspirational hours. to hear because sometimes I think that the six-hour thing is more when as you get older because I do know that you need less sleep as you get older. And I really? thought maybe that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I did not know that. As you get Thanks older, to you look need forward less to sleep. an old age. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It would, it, wouldn't it be amazing if with these young, quote-unquote, young bodies, we had, like, we had, we needed less sleep because then we could accomplish so much more. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. 
So but we can already, yeah, that's the thing. We can do things to help ourselves with going to bed early, being regulated, making sure yes. not to eat a lot before going to bed. And all these things are really to just also make more room for Krishna. Right. If we want to become Krishna conscious, we need to vary in a practical way. It's not, it's one thing to just say passively, yes, I want it. I want to be more Krishna conscious. But if we're not in practical terms, doing anything to structure our day, to make room for Krishna, then it's just a fantasy. Yeah. Right. And I like that Krishna's bringing up the, it's not just, this whole book is not just, you know, like theoretical, you exactly. know, and I love that this verse is actually talking about practical. And even though he said it 5,000 years ago, it's still, it still applies to me today. You know what I mean? Yeah, Literally I today. That. Right, yeah. right. So, so then it also talks about um, food. food. So yeah. it says too much eating means eating more than is required to keep the body and soul together. And I thought that was mm -hmm. really cool. I like that. Right. Cause that literally means death. Right, keeping the body like if I know that was that was a weird way of phrasing it, but yeah. let me let me yeah. read, say that. Yeah. So it says too much eating means eating more than is required to keep the body and the soul together. So it, when that the is body, interesting. Yeah. right, when the body and the soul are no longer together, that's when the soul 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 has moved on to a different body. Right. So that's talking about death. So like you eating too much is eating more than your body needs to to just function. And then, right, exactly. Your body needs to expend so much more energy to digest the excess <clears throat> of food that's in your system. And then you get more tired and then you have to sleep more. Yes. And then we have less time in the day. And Whole process. Yeah. If we break it down, actually, there's not that much time in the day. If someone sleeps in excess, let's say, yeah, you, you spend half of the time sleeping, then you wake up by the time you, you shower, brush your teeth, eat, change. That's work. another chunk. Then you work, then you get back, then you got to make dinner. How much time in our day is there really yeah. for dedicating to our connection to the supreme source of everything? Intense. It's hard. Yeah. So we got to really just take a moment to think of our lives, be aware and conscious of our day. That's, that's what Krishna conscious means. It's not just some elevated philosophy. It's a very practical, like Shama said, the Bhagavad Gita is a very practical guide to how to apply it, not just theoretically. So mm -hmm. we have to look at our day. How can I make room for Krishna? Is there any, and you know what, if you're doing any small change, it starts with baby steps. It's that, what, what's that 1% that I can do differently? Yeah. Love that. Agreed. And I, I think this notion of prashad, is mm -hmm. mentioned here mm -hmm. in the purport. And prashad essentially means like food that is offered to Krishna right. before you eat it, right? Yeah. It's like saying grace before eating yeah. something. And it talks about the power of not eating anything that's not offered and the power of actually like offering thanks and gratitude right. before mm -hmm. you eat something. And um, and I just, I think that's true. Yeah. Right. That's all I had to say. No, yeah, for sure. And it, it also talks about Prabhupada's talking about how there's no need to eat animals. Right. Mm. This is, I think this is the first time we've seen it specifically said that way before we've seen mm. that animals have a soul and they should, we should consider their suffering and right. ahimsa, which means like, um, no suffering. No. What is a hemsis? Oh my God. It just or, my um, Nonviolence. Nonviolence. Thank you. It escaped <clears throat> yep. my mind. So nonviolence, we've talked about that aspect, but I've, I, we haven't seen thus far something that literally says there is no need for man to eat and animals. Yes. That is a good point because Priya, up until now, it's true. We have, we might've mentioned the vegetarian diet. I honestly don't remember, but we've been laying the philosophical foundation of why a vegetarian diet. Right. Because if we yep. believe we're all a soul, <clears throat> we're all the same type of soul. We talked in so much depth of what the soul is. And if we all have a soul and the body is just a vehicle for our consciousness and to for our soul to be in then why would we eat uh, another being that has the same soul as us yeah 
So Prabhupada breaks it down as like, why? So he says that animal food is for those in the mode of ignorance. Mm -hmm. So I think if we're trying to elevate ourselves to be modern yogis, mm -hmm. eating animals will actually bring down our consciousness. Yes. Exactly. And it also actually talks about drinking and smoking as part of that, which I thought was interesting and random. And kind That of, actually makes sense. Totally yeah, makes sense. When we're sense. drinking and smoking, like you More definitely ignorance. do not feel closer to God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to, in or, a natural yeah. way through meditation, elevate our consciousness. So basically those are... People, I think, oftentimes revert to drinking and smoking because we're frustrated. We want to feel something different. You you seek something externally to change your consciousness. Yeah. But we can achieve that in a natural way. And you also want to kind of disengage with yourself, oh, right? Like you, right. you want yes. to escape. And then right. so like drinking and smoking, not only does it not get you closer to uh, the Supreme, but it also gets you further away from yourself. Exactly. Oh, it takes yeah. you out away of from yourself. who you are because if you get into smoking and then you get, you know, addicted, it just, it changes the person that you are and not in a good way. So it, it's definitely saying that that's in the mode of ignorance and we should avoid it. And, and then in right. terms of eating, uh, it says there's ample supplies of grains, vegetables, and fruits and milk for, you know, right. that should be. And eaten. not, not to mention talking about can I share a quick little personal thing yeah. about eating yeah. animals? Because you see, in Arge my parents are both from Argentina and in Argentina, they're known for their their meat industry. South America for, in general. Yeah. yeah. So in our, my mom, I might've mentioned this way back when we told our initial stories, but my mom's family, uh, they worked at a, at a meat importing industry and, mm. and her dad, my grandfather brought her there when she was very little oh. and she saw, she was like probably 10 or younger and she saw in front of her eyes, the animals being slaughtered and killed and it really marked her. Mm -hmm. And she never liked meat anyway, but as soon as she could, I think from 16 or younger, she became a vegetarian because she hated the thought of like, I'm eating a, a living being, an animal who's suffering. And, um, you know, there's a restaurant in Venice called The Butcher's Daughter. And that's mm. kind of essentially her story. And it's a vegetarian oh, restaurant. Mm. So uh, there's a saying that if all slaughterhouses were made of glass, most people would be vegetarian. Because there's something so deeply inside yourself that if you see it, because we're so disconnected, right, from what we yeah. eat in front of us and what we're what's actually going on behind the scenes. But if you yeah. see it, there's something in your heart and soul that feels like this isn't right. They're suffering. They're feeling everything, you yeah. know? Unfortunately, I do think that there's still a bit of a consciousness of not... Some people know what it is. They know. They just that don't want to hear it, they, though. Well, I, I, at least I grew up in uh, Venezuela. So right. it's yeah. very, very much a meat-eating country as well. And I remember, like, a family member killing a chicken in front of me. Ooh. And then they... they they ate that for like dinner. Like no big deal. Like right, it was, right. like it was just, just like Tuesday this is afternoon. where food comes from, right? And right. so the consciousness that we should be eating animals. I think it's nice to hear that we, there's no need for this, right? There's no right. need for the suffering and the eating. Like we are vegetarians at this table, and like we are healthy. We're we're fine. There's no need to create right. suffering. Like for, where you get your protein, dude? Yeah, like, I yeah. think we'll be fine. We'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> and in fact, yeah, if you want to do the research, I mean, this isn't what the, I guess the podcast is about. But if we're talking about it, it's better for our bodies. It's better for the system, for yeah. the planet. For all the, all the famous people are becoming vegan right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, why? There's, about it. there's studies that show like we're not. Our bodies are structurally not designed to eat meat. We have a very long, long intestine, much longer than animals. So in animals, the meat can process and decompose very fast mm -hmm. because they're designed that way. But in our long intestine, the meat passes through and starts decomposing within our bodies before it's even digested. Like it's, there's so many studies out there that show we're not designed to yep. eat meat. It's, and yeah. even with our canines and our teeth, uh -huh. right? We yeah. don't have the same canines. Exactly. They're not as sharp the same way. To, to rip apart meat. One notion that I, that, I, that I've seen so many people 
transform in like people who used to eat meat and people who are vegetarian now is this notion of like we are what we eat right, right. and it's like what happens to our body when we are when Oof. someone is walking down the street and someone's like stalking us do you know like the <laughs> amount of fear especially if you're a woman uh, walking that's true. Home, yeah. right? you're a woman walking into a parking lot and someone, so a man is following you. Like what happens to our body, right? Yes. When we're in danger, it's like fear. All of these chemicals release in our mm -hmm. blood because we are literally in the place of like fight or flight because we don't know what's going to happen, right? Animals feel the same thing mm -hmm. when they're in slaughterhouses. They know that they're about to die. They can hear the the, the calls of their their fellow cattle like being being slaughtered, right? And right. so like they know that death is imminent for them. Therefore, their body's also releasing all of these chemicals, these stress hormones right before they go into slaughter. Uh -huh. And we are consuming that or people who eat yeah. meat are consuming that. Yeah. So I've literally seen people who are like who been on vegetarian or meat diets and they're very aggressive people. They yeah. get angry very quickly. And the moment that they switch to a vegetarian diet, they are calmer. Mm. They are more patient. They are more compassionate. And it's literally, we are what we eat. Right. Wow. I love that. That's yeah. a really nice other perspective to think about it because I do think that some people are really compassionate and they can think about, oh, you know, they're suffering. I don't want them to suffer. And they can go in that route. But some people are like, well, this is where my food comes from. And that's how they've been grown up. And it's harder yeah, for them to think it of it that way. Them, yeah. And so to, to see other perspectives I think it's really important because at the end of the day, it's just not good for us, right? Right. And so the, having the perspective of we are what we eat is really cool. Thank you right. for sharing that. Oh, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this verse before we move on? Yeah. Yes. Just to recap. Uh, oh, can I add one more point before yeah, yeah, we yeah. recap? So, so basically this is saying that we shouldn't eat too much or too little, right? Right. Um, so there's also the point of like fasting because some people right. like, especially yogis and the perspective of like being... Um, out there in the forest and like meditating and all of that, some people might perceive like, oh, fasting is good for me. Now we all know about intermittent fasting and all of that. But um, I think here it's saying that a person does not need to fast artificially, like abstain from eating for the sake of like enlightenment. Right, right. And so I think that's like another interesting perspective because it's saying not too much or not too little, right? So exactly. like it's explaining. And then it brings up the point that... Um, the Krishna conscious person observes fasting as it is recommended in the scriptures. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Mm. And so um, there's this concept that we have that is um, every 14 days. It's it's based on the lunar calendar. Yeah. Um, there's uh, an auspicious day for us to fast. I think a lot of religions have fasting days. Right. And for us, it's called Ikadashi. Right. And it usually means that we fast from grains and beans. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, I guess, so you can like take more time that day to dedicate to your spiritual life. Yeah, it's a day when you can fully fast if you want to. You don't, you don't, you can just drink water or you can eat very simple foods. But the idea is that you'll have more time for spiritual progress, whether right. it's like, you know, making that time to be really special since right. we're really busy all the time. You know, what's interesting that sometimes I think that when you're put into a situation where you can really connect deeper to yourself, like you had said, Priya, uh, drugs, intoxication disconnects you. It doesn't even allow you to connect further with God, but it disconnects you even from yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a situation where you can like, let's say you're living in the mountains in nature and you can connect deeper to yourself, some of these things start becoming um, 
instinctual because, for example, why I'm saying this is I think back to my parents who they were raised within very traditional Catholic families in Argentina. And then they kind of went traveling the world, seeking something in their spiritual search. And at one point when they were living in the mountains, and I described a little the rugged mountain life, they lived like out in the open, took baths in the river next to them. And between like four trunks of trees, my dad just put a little roof and that was where they slept. And they would, on this concept of fasting, once a month, they would stay up at night and kind of just, they would meditate and they would look at the stars and the constellations and they would fast and just without knowing the philosophy that they would mm. find eventually that really resonated with them, they kind of did that and making more time for their, at the time, trying to make time for spirituality. So uh, these things that just kind of instinctively make sense, like, yeah, why wouldn't we try to every now and then do eat a little more simple, make a little more time for God, make a little yeah. more time for your practice. There's also a scientific study and I don't have it in me, so I don't know exactly the statistic, but I have seen that like fasting for every one day you fast out of the year, you're decreasing your chances of like a heart attack and this mm, and this. Right. And this. Ooh, but it's, it's like really mindful, right? You have to be really mindful about the fact that we shouldn't just be fasting all the time because that's also not great for our consciousness. Our body maybe doesn't, not all bodies can fast. That's also right. a really Correct. important aspect. Right. It doesn't and have so, to be in a fanatical way. Right. So Ikadashi is a really cool opportunity because you can take it as intensely or as simply as you want. The basic form is just eating like nothing or just drinking water or just having fruits and kind of going right. from there to like, you know, just keeping it simple, simple living, high thinking. Right. Yeah. And it's not mentioned in the Gita, but like Krishna encouraged us to fast on in Ikadashi on other scriptures, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually, yeah, that's that's the line that we were just reading. Um, yeah, it says a Krishna conscious person observes fasting as it is recommended in the scripture. So okay, it's good. It's, yes. yes, it is right. mentioned. So yes. right, step one, trying to do everything to closer and closer get to the mode of goodness. So next step, we're not going to eat meat and stuff like that because of the reasons described. Next step further, when we're on a vegetarian diet, we're going to try to offer everything to Ooh. the Lord because, nice. because there's many reasons to offer it. But like Shama was saying earlier, we try to just be grateful for what we have. Take ourselves out of this. I'm just going to enjoy this myself. I'm cooking for myself. Me, me, right. me. Sense pleasure mentality to mm -hmm. like, okay, let me pause a second and acknowledge where this is coming from. This is all like there's... If we want to take it further and further back to it's all thanks to Krishna that we have all of this, then thanks to the whole system that this whole, this plate got in front of me in the first place. So we just are giving gratitude, giving thanks for that and trying to also become Krishna conscious, which means being aware of Krishna at every moment. So I'm going to be cooking this. It's a subtle shift, but I'm cooking no longer just for my enjoyment, but I'm cooking for Krishna, yeah. cooking yeah. to offer it to him. I love so, that. Yeah. And that Ayurvedic philosophy, which we talked about before, it's like the consciousness that mm -hmm. you put in when you're cooking the food actually comes out in the taste. So if you are right. conscious of Krishna and you're offering it for his pleasure and you're putting so much love into yeah. it, it actually tastes better too. Yeah. And don't knock until you try it. Like sometimes when you go to a restaurant and people, the cooks uh -huh. are frustrated and they're mm. angry, no matter how many great spices that they put <laughs> in it, you're not going to, it's not going to taste good because yeah, the right. consciousness that it was made in was not conducive totally. to, to tasty food. Yeah. yeah. I just thought also that, so the, the, bolded part uh, is Krishna speaking directly, right? Yep. And then the poor part is Prabhupada speaking. And I just think it's really cool because even though the bolded part, which is the text, is uh, referring to dhyana yoga, which is, you know, the practice of meditation and how you can't even be a yogi if you sleep too much or too little or eat too much or too little. Right. These principles also apply to bhakti yoga, like you were saying, Shamali, for the latter, right? Because all these right, things kind right. of add up. And so it's really cool to see Prabhupada kind of talking about bhakti yoga and then Krishna talking about dhyana yoga and right. all connecting together. Love it. All right, text number 17. 
Shamasangita. He who is regulated in his habits of eating, sleeping, recreation, and work can mitigate all material pains by practicing the yoga system. Mm. There are four main things here, guys. Eating, sleeping, which we talked about a lot. Recreation and work. Right. So because everything in moderation. In my mind, because yes. one might think, what? That's everything. Everything brings pain. Well, yes, everything in this material world that essentially has a beginning, a middle and an end will bring pain to some degree if we're not channeling it in a positive mode of goodness way. Yep. And really only things in the transcendental realm or that that goes beyond this material world will nourish our soul and will be of substance and value. Yeah. There's a couple things mentioned in the purport. So Prabhupada says, um, if someone is regulated in work, right? We all know workaholics who yeah. do not have a work-life balance. <laughs> yes. Can also, that can lead in misery if that is not regulated. Right. He also talks about speech. Like if we talk too much mm, right. or we don't talk enough or we don't express ourselves to the right people, that can also lead to misery. On that one, I have a yep. story. Mm, go um, crazy. When I was like 17, maybe 18, I was part of a friend group. And I always just, I, I just wanted to be a part of it so bad. I wanted to be part of the conversation. Mm. And so sometimes I would ramble and I would just talk and talk and like it, people would obviously lose interest. And I would see that I was so like sad. And so I took it upon myself to think like, why is this happening? And I started observing people who were really listened to. Mm. So like in my group, who were people who captured people's attention and why and what was happening? And I noticed that uh, those that said less were often heard more. And <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, I should be on a bumper huh. sticker. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. And I thought, okay, let me try it. Right. So if I want to be part of the conversation, instead of saying more words, let me say the same sentiment with less. Let me listen more than I speak. Let me right. practice this. And I noticed immediately the change happened. I would listen more. I would barely say anything. And then when I did say something, it's like people were curious because I wasn't talking as much. And so yep. it's, it's interesting, like the, right. the balance of listening and talking and like talking too much and all of that and how it can affect us. I just thought that was a cool. Everything right. in moderation. So yeah, yes. he says, though those who are regulated in work, speech, sleep, and wakefulness and all other bodily activities, there is no material misery for him. Mm. So everything in moderation, right. I think that that makes a happy soul. Right. And it's basically saying this because any extravagance in these matters that, that are our natural bodily demands, it can block advancement in the practice of yoga or getting closer, making room for Krishna. If we do it in excess, that is. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Is this, <laughs> I think it's a little hard to do. Being regulated is hard with this day and age, but I do see the benefits. I have seen it in my life. Like when I yeah. do kind of create like a like a plan. Okay, for this next two weeks, I'm going to do this, like this, 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 mm -hmm. and this. Every day I'm going to try to wake up right. this time. I can see the actual benefits. Yeah. Right. It's I, a process. I think it, it takes like a little bit of organization too. Uh -huh, right? totally. You have to be in the mindset of like, okay, I need to go at this with a plan because if we don't, we all know that our days sometimes, like last night I was up till two o'clock in the morning <laughs> watching Love is Blind. You know what I mean? Like on Netflix. And so, and I know that deregulated me mm. because I was, I've been up every single morning, like doing my meditation from Monday to Friday. Oh, wow. But the moment 
Like mm. I didn't have a plan because I didn't know what I was doing last night. And then I got yes. in this trap of Netflix right. and then it ruined my entire yeah. schedule. Right. God, yes. So I think it's important to have a plan so that these things can be a moderation. Also, yeah. That's impressive. You've been solid about doing your meditation in the morning. In the morning that's yes. very impressive. From, from yeah. Monday to Friday. Wow. Actually. That's yeah. awesome. But then my entire life falls apart on the weekends because right, right. it's un, it's like unscheduled and unscripted. like unscripted. <laughs> right. And yeah. literally yeah, like yeah. all my timing falls apart on the weekend. No. No, totally. I, I think like there's there's sort of two ways I can think of it right now of doing it. There's one where you like plan the night before, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do the next day mm. before I go to sleep. So when I wake up, I know exactly what I'm going to do and it's pre-planned. Yeah. Like that's one level. I love Google Sheets. And so I'm the kind of person that would plan a whole week. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know Just I mean? like your regular life. Yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, this week I'm going to try this. I'm going to see how it works. And then I'll like, I'll fix it if it doesn't work perfectly until yeah. I get the perfect rhythm for myself. I'm like, I'm going to wake up this time when I'm going to do this. And I do the same thing every day, but I haven't figured out the perfect code. I do Google Sheets for vacation and I thought I was crazy, but you do it for <laughs> your actual normal life yes. and it's commendable. That's um, amazing. Yeah. They exist <laughs> for great. every aspect of my life. <laughs> and you know, that. I think, yeah, it, it does take an, an initial lead <laughs> of faith because you have to be convinced that I'm doing this because I'm going to gain so much more than I can even imagine. You have yeah. to almost like, even if you're not experiencing the highest taste, because mm. there gets to a point in your practice that you're really tasting like the sweetness of the connection to Krishna. But mm. if you're not there yet, it'll take an initial leap of faith of like, okay, I got to be convinced that I will get there. And what's waiting for me at the end of this path is going to be worth so much more than I can even imagine. I've yeah. said before that my spiritual master says with regards to material desires, we just, what well, everything we're desiring in this world is broken pieces of glass when Krishna will give us jewels. It'll be so much more than what we can imagine. And I that's think that's beautiful. a really good point. I, I also do think that the idea of being regulated doesn't necessarily even have to start with spiritual life. Right, Because right. if you are regulated in other aspects of your life, like if you are a person who takes care of their body and goes on walks and they eat at the same times every day, you're taking care of your body. If you're able to do that, when you add spirituality, it'll be easier. Because right. you're already disciplined. Because you're already disciplined, yeah. you're already regulated. Right. So it doesn't even have to pertain to your particular spiritual practice just yet. If you don't have one, it could right. just be like regulating your life for the sake of having that balance to be able to handle more uh, spiritual connection and all the things. And so I think, because especially in this particular case, we're talking about literally just meditation. We're, again, we're just right, talking about right. dhyana yoga and how being regulated helps dhyana yoga. Right. Just it helps meditate. with mental clarity. Helps with exactly. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So yeah, if you're not even there yet with a spiritual practice, like Priya says, this is great anyway. And then yeah. add it's a, a spiritual practice kit. and then poof, it'll be incredible. Right. Love it. Yeah. Anything else on text number 17? No, I just like this one line at the end. Since there is no question of sense gratification, there's no material leisure for a person in Krishna consciousness. Like, since our goal is to try to connect with Krishna, there's no time to waste. We can't be just leisurely, do, 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 wasting dilly huge daddling. chunks. Dilly daddling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, there's, how many times can huge chunks of our day just, it's like you enter a time vortex. It's like, oh, yeah. oh my God, five uh, hours just passed and what did I, I do? Dilly daddling last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching Netflix. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's awkward. <laughs> but you mean I was seven, oh, like seven yeah, hours went by just diddly daddling. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's impressive. I know. And, uh, it's a really good season. But <laughs> okay, that's, that's not what this is about. Okay. Text 18. Shamali. When the yogi, by practice of yoga, disciplines his mental activities and becomes situated in transcendence, 
devoid of all material desires, he is said to be well established in yoga. <gasps> oh, can I say something? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think like this is all, obviously this is all connected, right? These are it's like a whole conversation, but it's like, this is saying now when you're disciplined in your mental activity. So the right. previous one was in your physical activities, mm. like work and eating and sleeping and recreation exactly. and all this stuff. And now it's saying the mind. So Good it's like connection. first, first you got to like uh, discipline your body and regulate your habits. So like you're kind of doing the same stuff. You know what you're doing. Your body's functioning like a well-oiled machine. A yes. well-oiled machine. And I love it. Once that well-oiled machine is working, then you got to work with the mind because the right. mind is like the wall that will not let you get into a deeper spiritual practice because exactly. it can be your best friend or, or your, your worst enemy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think that's what this is kind of going towards. Oh, yeah? 100%. I know people that go to the gym every single day at the same time, but they also have severe overthinking and severe yes. anxiety, right? Because they're not working on their mind and their mm -hmm. mental health as much as they're working on their physical. So that's why it needs to be a balance of balancing those two very, very important things. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's so... Well, how grateful are we to have this text even in front of us? Because yeah. it's a roadmap to mm -hmm. how to even regulate all these things. And people that don't have this are tormented by your mind. I mean, we perceive this whole world through our mind. So yeah. like if you don't have, or at least are trying to aspire for a calm, level-headed mind, even if you are an overthinker or an underthinker, whatever you are, this is kind of like the text in front of us that you can use what you've been given by God naturally to channel it in a peaceful yeah. way. And if you don't have this, what do you do? You're like scrambling, running around. Honestly, I was just thinking about that. Like for there's, there's like different levels of not knowing, like, Maybe you don't. What if you don't even know that there is solutions like a Bhagavad Gita or like <laughs> yeah. a path? Like someone who doesn't know. So like if you're listening, like someone out there doesn't know that there's something out there that can help them. What right? do you do? Share the podcast. Share the at the Modern Yogi yeah. podcast. Because if I didn't know like this path, I don't know what I would perceive life to be yeah. if Literally. I didn't understand these things the way that yeah. it's explained this way. To be honest, I was at dinner uh, earlier this week with two friends who are non-devotees. They, right. they don't, um, they're not, they don't believe in anything really. Um, but they're a spiritual, right? But they were telling me about the material problems that are going on in their life. And I felt this sense of like, oh man, I wish that they only knew, or they had this mm. little bit of faith. And there, and both of them like suffer from anxiety. Right. And, mm. and then when little things happen to them in their life, it, it makes it worse and worse and worse because mm. they don't know how to control their minds, right? Yeah, and right. so they both came to me separately after that dinner to to be like, hey, Asa, like, what do I need to do? Wow. And then the first thing I told them was like learning how to meditate and breathe and like right. learning because if they're able to control their minds yes. when like basically crap hits the fan in their life, <laughs> then they can monitor that situation better and they can be right. better because they've been able to regulate their their mind, right? Yeah. Right. And they don't have this avalanche of crazy emotions every every single time something bad happens, right? And right. so like that was the first thing is like I just told them, I gave them some breathing exercises. And so right. and mm. that is a very, very introduction to I mean, dhyana yoga. But like, I mean, that's that was the previous, it was yeah. one of the previous chapters, right? Yeah. That we talked about the breathing and like yeah. how that's whole a process. So yeah, it's steps because, oh, 100%. because someone might not really be ready to talk about the whole big picture of oh, life. Yeah, and Krishna <laughs> right. and, this and you know? all that. And so then people aren't ready for that. Yeah. Start with... Breathing, meditation, figuring out the right. mind, the anxieties, the stuff like that. And yeah. slowly, you know. Right. But yeah, if you, I mean, I, I just really think it's amazing that we do have this, like you were saying, Shamali, it's amazing that we have this in front of us, that we right. have 
each other to kind of help each other understand it better too. Because that's right. what this whole book club thing is about, right? Yeah. Helping each other understand it in a way that we might have not just understood it our, ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so if you know, like anyone, just who you might think that might be on that path of discovery or someone who might not know about it at all. Yeah. And it's like ready. Know. You see them like they're so ready to take the next step. Then share this. I mean, yeah. don't hoard over the goods to yourself. If you're getting inspired by this, share it to others. Yeah. Even if it's just the Bhagavad Gita and not just our podcast, yeah. anything right. share because it is, I, it's a lifeline. I mean, they're complimentary, yeah. right? Because the Bhagavad Gita for someone, especially who's new, it can be a lot to digest. So the podcast is just kind of a nice roadmap to help like, yes. okay, here, listen to this while you're trying to read yeah. the Gita. And it's not like we're like trying to promote this because of our own self-interest. I think this book has helped us in so yeah. many ways individually. And I came home from that night with my friends and I was talking to my partner and I was like, Oh my God, there's like a lot of lost people out yeah, there. Yeah. Everyone feels a little bit lost. And 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 I feel like this book has so many answers to get people exactly away from feeling mm. lost. And uh and so I think it's just important just from a humanity's sake to, right. to share Krishna's words. I mean, that's such an important point, Shama, because this is this is not just like, oh, go follow our own personal Instagram accounts. We're trying no. to promote us and whatever. <laughs> this is something we genuinely believe in. Like you said, it's helped all of us. This is like, we see it like, invaluable it's, it's it's a magical book that we just want everyone to be able to get a hold of and get connected to yeah i mean just to my personal perspective on it i, I don't know if I, if it's shared amongst all of us but i do think like i do this podcast because i enjoy it yeah because i gain something valuable from it doing it with y'all and like reading this and understanding it deeper i don't the only reason i care for it to be out there is so that someone might take it and be like oh that's what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Not because I think like, oh, people should know that I did this podcast. No, like, right, I right. care less. Like if it wasn't me, I would be hyping someone else up who's doing this. Like yeah, for example, exactly. Wisdom of the Sages. They're amazing. Go check them out. They're yeah. super insightful. Like stuff like that, right? Like I'm, this is not about us thinking like, oh, we're so cool. Please follow us. It's not. It's like. But if you do want to follow our personal pages, <laughs> mine is asa.lol. I do comedy videos. Please like and share and subscribe. Okay. I'm nice. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but Wisdom of the Sages, is that's another podcast that yes. deals with the realm of bhakti yoga yes. and conscious like christian consciousness and yeah, philosophy yeah. they're very very good and they're, i mean they're amazing they're very high level where, yes. whereas our podcast is very introductory to a lot of these themes but if you are at that level please also check them out and you know i just want to say priya how you said if you if you know of anyone who's ready you know share it when you share it, you become part of a of a um, cycle, a magical cycle of giving and receiving because you feel you are all of a sudden being a little instrument in God's hand to help someone further on their path. Yeah. Because like I met someone the other day that she was like, I, I, I started telling her about the podcast. We kind of started talking about it. And she's like, oh my God, I feel I came to this grocery store for a reason. And I felt like, oh wow, yeah. Like I told her, God totally puts the situation, the person in the exact moment in your path when you're ready to take your spiritual path deeper. And I left there thinking like, well, I mean, that lady, if she didn't run into me, she would have somehow deepened her own path. But I felt like in that moment, God were like, I was an instrument for God's plan. And Krishna's plan was to help that person go even deeper. And I was like, so grateful to be a little part of that. You yeah. know? Just so when you share mic. it, 
Huh? We're just instruments. Yeah. Exactly. We're instruments. And when you share it, you become a little instrument in God's plan for the, someone else. Yeah. I also think I've heard people say something like, oh, someone gave them a Bhagavad Gita seven years ago and they just read it and it's changed their lives. And mm. I think those stories are really cool too, because someone might not be ready to hear it. But if you just let them be like, hey, here's a Gita. Whenever you're ready, here's the Modern Yogi podcast. Whenever, like, you know, whenever, if you're ever feeling like you want to kind of get a big picture of the world or get into whatever, like whenever you get a chance... That is also really cool because right. someone might not be ready now, but they might be ready seven years from exactly. now. And then okay. if they have that tool seven years from now, amazing, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's okay right. if someone doesn't want us to listen to it today. It's okay if someone doesn't want to read the Gita today, but like just You're having planting it. seeds. Yeah, I think that's and really cool. And then when cool. they have their existential crisis, we'll be there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're here for you. We're here for right. you. And last thing, Shama, I love how you mentioned that about your friends that they look to you for kind of what to do in whatever situation they were traversing. Because to me, that shows that the Gita is not just some lofty spiritual text, but you can utilize it like in any situation you're going through and apply that. And I just was like left with thinking, yeah, so many people that, like you said, they're just lost. They don't know where to turn. Yeah. And then whatever situation life brings to you, you can find this um, bhakti perspective to help you. And one side note I just want to share, one of uh, this one girl that she's part of this group that we talk about these bhakti yoga principles, she had said, so many times in the past, when you don't have bhakti yoga, we were talking about relationships. And she was saying like, you know, when you get, uh, let's say you get rejected and or a relationship doesn't work or all these things, it's so easy to internalize and take it in a negative way. Mm. I'm not this enough or that enough or what about me didn't work. But then she said, ever since having this bhakti perspective, she feels like, wow, Krishna is really taking care of me and making sure I'm going to be with the exact right person for me. So this person wasn't for me. Krishna made that arrangement. That person wasn't for me. So it's a shift in something that normally mm. you might take negatively, but with bhakti, you can take it in such a positive perspective. And I told her, yeah, totally. I mean, I think we can all think of situations in our life that without bhakti, we might take like a total disaster, but because yeah. of bhakti, we take it like, wow, Krishna so much so took interest in my life in a personal way. And he has a plan and we can see his hand maneuvering our lives in the most magical way. That's beautiful. That. Yeah. That's a great way to wrap up. Priya, did you have one more well, thing Well, I was to say? just going to say, and so in order to like follow Bhakti Yoga, you first started with Yana Yoga, right? Yeah. So you first started with the regulation of your habits, like eating, sleeping, recreation. You start with that. And then as text 18 said, we start controlling our minds and eventually mm -hmm. the faith will come, right? Because it's a small small it's a, it's a long process yeah. and it's step by step and so catch us next episode yeah. for the rest yeah? Rome wasn't built in a day so we try Beautiful. every single bit every single day thank you so much for listening everybody see Hi, you bye. <laughs>